0: Perfect. Hey, everyone. So here's another Common Mister podcast. Uh, This month's podcast is on the topic of Black History Month, specifically with representation in the education system. Um, We're going to go ahead and get started with some basic introductions. Uh, Your name, major, and year in school. Uh, But before we do that, I want to just pose a quick question to everybody. Uh, Just think about, you know, don't answer it yet. Think about it. And then after we're done with introductions we can go ahead and dive deep into that into that question so the question i have for you guys is do you believe that there are inequ- inequities among african-american students in elementary secondary and higher education so think about that and let's go ahead and get started with our introductions i'll go ahead and go first so my name is javier martinez i am the current program coordinator for the college program at Kansas State University. I am a second year PhD student in kinesiology, and that is me. I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to Freddie.
1: Hi, my name is Freddie Leon. Um, I am in elementary education. This is my third year in the program, and I am from Salina, Kansas.
2: I'll pick it up next. Um, My name is Ricky
3: Gutierrez. I'm a senior in educational studies uh, and with getting a minor in conflict analysis and trauma studies um, on set for, at this point, special education. (laughs) Um, I'm also the president of Communist.
4: Uh, My name is Sebastian Torres. I'm a, this is my second semester being a member of the Call Me Mr. organization, and um, I'm studying secondary education, and my hometown is Tribune, Kansas.
5: All right, uh, my name is, is uh, John Rocho. Um, I'm doing secondary ed uh, with an emphasis in modern languages. I'm currently a junior and
2: Is that,
6: was there another question? <laughs> okay. Um, hi, I'm Premier Jones. My major is Educational Studies. I'm a senior, and uh, I, I have a minor in Leadership in uh, American Ethnic Studies.
0: Perfect, awesome, thank you guys. Um, So back to that original question, do you think that there are inequities among African-American students in elementary, secondary, and higher ed? Um, Whoever wants to start us off, please go ahead.
3: Um, I can go ahead and start us off just with uh, my experience. Um, And most of my experience, I mean, Definitely. I'm sure there was growing up. It just wasn't my personal experience. And I, and so therefore it was kind of hard for me to see in my own school, especially since the majority of the population was white. Um, but working here at some of the schools is when I really started to notice, uh, just the percent of kids that, that are put on like in special education and, uh, extra emphasis is like, um, put on their, their struggle um, compared to their white peers. Um, I've noticed because I, I, I currently work as a para in a, in, a, in an elementary school, and I just it, oftentimes the uh, black kid will be doing the same thing a white kid might be doing, and uh, and I I mean I don't have I don't have uh, any kind of numbers behind it, but but it's much more common for the black kid to get more of the heat. And and be put into special education much faster than the white student.
6: I would definitely say there is inequities. Um, the my grandma works on the school board for this, so I'm glad we get to uh, talk about this. But in our border state of Missouri, St. Louis, um, black kids got suspended like a crazy amount. Like they had the highest suspension rate in the nation. So black students, there are a lot of qualities there was prison a pipeline they did something up in jersey where um, this judge was paying to get kids locked up in middle school and he ended up getting in trouble for it but they were betting on black and brown kids so definitely there's um iniquities and in a lot of things that happen, and that just comes from segregated after segregation was you know no longer around so definitely when they had to integrate the schools, a lot of Jim Crow laws and um, black kids, black and brown kids got policed at a higher rate and black students are still suffering um, at all levels, educationally.
0: Yeah, and to give some more stats uh, on the subject, I actually found some stats right here. Um, So the stats concerning the suspension rate and the amount of African-American students getting in trouble. So black students are about 3.8 times more likely to receive out of school suspensions than the white students. Um, And it's troublesome because black children have about 90% of the nation's preschool population, but 47% of them are the ones getting out of school suspension compared to their white counterparts who represent only 41% of the population, but only 28 percent get those out of school suspensions. So I think what you guys are talking about really does impact the way that um, education is impacted on, on this population for sure. So.
3: I I wanna delve in deeper onto what you were saying there, Premier. I, I noticed that you were saying that uh, a lot about the origin of where that's coming from and the segregation laws that um, ended up, that ended and then um, just were, we carried on not treating those kids with equity. Um, and and I, I want to kind of put out the question for you, like, what do you think, because in my, my experience or what I, what I would assume uh, is that a lot of the teachers and, and faculty and staff that, that uh, use these unequal um, methods and, and go harder on the black kids than the white kids, uh, I'm assuming that it comes from the stereotype that, oh, this is what they're used to, or, oh, this, there's not much hope for them to begin with because they're, they probably aren't, they don't have much like support from home. They don't have much support uh, or they don't believe in themselves. Like, I don't know, I'm wondering how much of it is stereotype and how much of it is law, like you were bringing in earlier.
5: Like just to kind of touch on on the on, on the question, no mm-hmm. um, question. I I, uh, I do agree there there's inequities. Um, I think it's pretty evident to see that. I know for a fact that throughout the country, the like there's different supply. Like, like for schools in general, there's like when it comes to like history textbooks, like there's different versions for different parts of the country, and and for one, I think that's 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 I that's right. Um I know that a lot of, a lot of US history is uh, you know the the you know America's dark history is is not really represented in the textbooks how it should be you know you're going to tell history tell it all um so I think that that's kind of a disadvantage you know it, it, it just makes you know minorities kind of seem like the bad people and it's not just in the US it's all you know throughout America you know north central and south
3: And you saying that, John, makes me think. I, I I probably need to reword a little bit my question there. I I'm also I'm just a little curious about how much how much is is being affected and or could be solved through um, addressing the stereotypes and which is more um, like talking to people and having to to really address things with. The teachers, and how much is it of it is government action, and and uh, and like school board and those kind of things. Like, I'm just wondering where where what's the main source, if there is a main source. Like, it could just be
6: kind of equal and all that. And I know this might throw you guys' head for the for a loop, but when we're in school, it's a process of who's going to be leaders or who's going to be a worker and we get conditioned by bells and different things like that. So you have to think when African-Americans got out of, um, out of, you know, out of slavery, there's a lot of different ways. I think it's, it's a lot on law. A lot of it is because like, if you read, and this is, I'm gonna tie this back to education, but if you read the 13th amendment, it says that, you know, slavery is abolished except for involuntary servitude. So they kind of make people prisoners. And there's a lot of things that I, I like, I've been suspended so many times. I got arrested at school. There was a thing I didn't um, didn't know, you can't get arrested by the SROs at school. So all the times I got arrested, when I was at school, I should have not gotten arrested. Um, they should have talked to my parent, had my parents sign off. And then, but yeah, there was instances um, where I shouldn't have been taken into intake. So I think there's a lot of different uh, iniquities and loopholes and a lot of different laws that happen that a lot of you know African American students are not privy to. So it's 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 a interesting, sickening, sickening game. Um, just laws placed. Oh yeah,
3: absolutely.
5: I definitely agree with uh, with Premier on that one, um, and, and I think for the most part it, it's 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 government based. Um, it's just just laws that kind of you know after slavery was gone, you know what was a way for for people to, to lose their rights? And like Premier said, thirteenth 13th, 13th Amendment, go to prison, can't vote, can't own land, all these things, these little like micro technicalities that that. That were used just to, to find the loophole, and um, yeah, and like like he said, like he said, you know, it's just it's all just like backlash of of how it happened then, and it's it's you know, we're living it today, you know, we're still living off those consequences. Um, mm-hmm. and and it's hard, you know. Like I know I don't know where I I read this from. I, I have a friend who who really he's like into the government and he does all you know, like the conspiracy stuff. <laughs> And he said, like back in the, I think it was the 70s or the 80s, the, the DEA was flying out drugs from from South America, you know, to South Central LA themselves, and they were selling the drugs and you know getting people hooked on drugs, and it was and then you know sending them to jail for having them. They were the ones that, you know, they were they were um, bringing them in. Like I said, it's 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 like a conspiracy, but for the most part, there was there was some type of documentation that it was it was like it was real. Even the reporter in, in, in California that was covering it, he got like like death threats and, and you know random people tailing him at times and it's 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 crazy and it's kind of scary just, just to think that that was a reality and it very could well still be a real a reality.
1: Right, kind of picking backing off of you, John. I mean, the first African American black college ever built was here. I just looked up was in 1837. That's only 184 years from today, present. So, like all this stuff is, is very all very new, and and that's why that's why I think we're seeing this develop in, in these communities that are that have these Hispanics and African American kids.
6: So, I think I think this is a good question, and. Um, I think there's a lot of privy things, but both I know people say get over, you know, uh, slavery, get over racism to some black people. My great grandfather, like he was living. He was born in like sharecropping. So almost pretty much slavery. Then I have other family like so. It's not too many generations removed. But when we speak of education, the reason I was going to say that is my my grandparents, they're not even 70 but both of them went to segregated, uh, elementaries and, uh, middle schools. So they were just explaining to me about, um, just how it was different. Mm -hmm. I'm from, I grew up in Topeka. So Brown v. Board case, my grandma went to that school. So when we talk about, uh, iniquities in, uh, education, she was just saying that it was different when she went from Brown as a kid to Boswell, uh, to all these schools that were for black and brown students to end up going to a school that was with white kids. And she said it was just totally different. She said she felt the tension. She felt like they cared more because they looked like them. They got taught their own history. So it's just a lot of things. She was saying that and she's an educator. She says she's happy for integration. But at the time, she said it was very scary because they were like the first students going through that. And she said it was almost like worse for them to uh, be in school at that time. So I think they they faced a lot of backlash and different things like that. You go to school and people look like you every day. They're in your community. They go to your church, grocery store, to going to a school where you're around. There's some caring teachers, but let's be honest, there's a lot of racist. A lot of racist teachers who don't, who do not care, um, just the things you are said and the drawbacks and different things that happen. Like um, my grandpa ended up going to KU. He's the first black president uh, at Topeka High. But I think this is really good. We're talking about the priviness. But one teacher told my great grandma, she's like, you don't need him to get into tutoring because all he's going to be worth is a trashman. So... <laughs> Wow. It's just it's just it's just different things you um you hear um just stereotypes and different things like that, and I I I know you guys being from the side we're all melanated people you probably have stories like that too, but it's just interesting how we can dig back into um, history, and this is just getting to be fifty years ago. My grandma my grandpa graduated class in nineteen seventy two so very interesting
3: right man and i like i like how you mentioned that uh i mean there's good teachers out there but like you said there's a whole lot of racists and and one thing that came into my head when you were saying that is is i I mean i i truly believe that like people are really pushing for or not pushing for but people are are starting to like voices are being heard saying that we should have more um mandatory uh, like diversity training, as just as just uh, students at K State, and I I'm starting to think that like I mean sure that should be a thing for K State, but I think that somehow, ed- the education like to become a teacher, I think you should have to go through the most of like diversity training and and learning about inclusion and all of that because, I mean just there is no room for for racism or stereotypes or or any of those kind of uh biases when when you're an educator it just it can it can change the like we're where you could change the the track of a our kid's life
5: yeah and i i um uh, i agree with that with what what, what um, um it's just said sorry um and I do think we need a little bit more, more diversity training as educators and uh, just I think just based on the things I guess like in the last year or so some of the classes that I've taken through K-State just some of the things that I've kind of looked back on and been like wow well, like that's like I can relate. Um, being a minority in school and not being like accustomed to the culture at school there's a very different culture you know as a Hispanic male and I'm sure as an African-American male, and uh, there's just, there's certain things that, that are so, that, like, so correlated with culture and the way that some teachers teach that, you know, sometimes it, it puts kids on edge, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's proving you can't focus when you, you have all this, like, adrenaline going through your body, you know, you're, you're, like, looking over your shoulder, trying to see what's going on, you know, if, if, you know, just these little things that trigger you that, you don't really notice but when that happens you know you can't really focus you can't learn that way and i think that's another thing that you know has an effect on education just the fact that there's these little microaggressions that can at time you know affect students and by the time that adrenaline leaves the body you know 30 45 minutes later you know you, you, you're not going to recall what you heard you know 30 45 minutes ago Um, yeah, i think things are getting better but uh, you know, even now, just working in a school, I started working at an elementary school about four weeks ago, and just things that I noticed that that aren't really necessary from some some of the teachers, and uh, I don't know. I, I feel like it's improved, but there's you know there's still room for growth. Long way to go. Yeah.
0: So one thing I I do want to bring up, and I'm glad you guys brought it up too, is there are some teachers who who see these things happen on a daily basis but they either they refuse to accept that it's happening or they're too afraid to address it um what's some advice or what do you guys think is a great way to approach that uh, whether they have a fear of addressing it or they just want to deny that it even exists. i would say number one
6: don't tell your students you do not see color That is one of the biggest flaws. Teachers try to be omniscient and act like they're all loving ones. Yes, we all have different features. And once you acknowledge that and say, Ari, I do see color. I do see these students do have problems and you have empathy and sympathy. It'll take you a long way. But a lot of teachers wanna have this kumbaya. Oh, I love the world. There's no such thing as color. There's only one race, the human race. And it sets them back and it makes their voice become so quiet. Address that there are races. racist. Um, there's different cultures. Address that, you know, kids are struggling outside of your classroom. And once you build those relationships and you see the world for what it is, then you'll be able to. But I think that's the biggest flaw. When teachers are like, I have no hate in my body, I don't see. Co-. That's cool, but it doesn't work like that for us
3: and i would i would add i think that especially like me growing up in a in a fairly liberal but like like it was a fair, fairly liberal area in minnesota but uh just outside of minneapolis but um there were there were it was largely i mean it was mostly white and so that was a big thing for me was that like yes i was never uh, targeted or um or I didn't I didn't ever feel and this is me as a Hispanic student, um, but but I felt over like overall there wasn't like a lot of just crazy racism um, towards the minority students, but there wasn't a lot of celebrating the minority students either. Um, especially with the with the with the African American students around. I, I think that like it's your typical, like you said, Premier, um, I don't see color. Um, and then so therefore the only time that we ever really celebrated anyone of, of color was I mean the sports so it was it was just it was just your typical way of not being able to really celebrate the culture just just it was yeah yeah and you felt just like you weren't seen um I also like going off of a little more on on Javier's question um I think that when you become a teacher you're you are there to, to, I mean, you're, your you're your student's biggest advocate. And, um, and I mean, just like with bullying, a teacher would never stand by and watch another kid be bullied. And if you would, you're not, you shouldn't be teaching. Um, I think that that because there's certain people in the U S that, that allow racism to go on and, and, and think a certain way, um, have certain biases and, st- and believe in stereotypes like I think teachers use that as a pass to avoid confrontation and and they they need to realize that no it's 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 just as bad as bullying if not worse and and uh and it should be treated as such like it, there is no there's no um room for it in schools and and I think if teachers started to really observe microaggressions and and those little things that they let slide by is, no, that's just not not another way of thinking that's bullying. I think they would, I mean, I think it would be, I think it would be eliminated much faster than
2: how it's going now, but.
0: Oh yeah, all all great points. one of the issues that I do want to discuss is, and it's not a sad reality, but it's a reality, is the dropout rates of African American students. Um, there's a lot of causes for that. And one of them is community or household stress. Is there a way that teachers or educators can can assist with that? Is that possible? Is there a way that we can help students um, kind of cope with those but those things that going on at home or going on within their community while they're at, while they're at school? Is that possible, or is that something that we just need to figure out? I think it's something we
2: need to figure out.
0: So I think, yeah, I think Premier has. But
6: if I if I say the wrong thing, it could jeopardize me. You know, getting all my family separated, my brothers and sisters. So it's like. It's, it's, it's a horrible catch-22, but I think it's something that can be worked on. But, yeah, it's very hard. I think Premier, the dropout rates, yeah.
3: If you, if you don't mind saying that again, man, I think you were saying some good things, but you cut out on
2: us.
6: Um, I was saying that as educators, we are uh, forced to be mandated reporters. So um, I think it's a very hard thing to have students express what's going on in the home because as students are having family issues, especially as African-Americans, you don't want your family to get separated or taken away or your brothers and sisters to get split up because you said something. So I think it's very hard um, trying to find that balance. Uh, it's, it's, it's a weird catch-22, but yeah, I just, I, I wish we could help more, support more, but it can be finances, it can be abuse, it can be a lot of different things. And, you know, we have to report things like that.
5: Yeah, I think this is kind of where like, I know that a lot of teachers haven't been able to do this because of COVID, but uh, I know that um, before COVID the, the teachers would do home visits, um, things like that um and i think also a lot of it has to do with just just getting to know your kids i think the more you get to know them the more they trust in you and they're you know the more they're able to confide in you because they feel comfortable just being around you and they see you as somebody that can actually help them instead of just another owner. um so i think that that's 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 a key point right there um because it's happened to me where i've had kids that have come up to me and just share some things that you know make me you know get a little emotional and i'm like man like why I did mean, this kid tell me that but I'm glad he did it because it, it just kind of tells me that that you know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm, I'm looking out for the kids
3: yeah I think it's it's also a, like it goes to show just just being uh one being an advocate and two just holding those expectations that that like you would hold for any other kid I mean um yes you have to understand what they you have to understand what their background might might be and you have to understand what their what challenges they might have but like putting low expectations on them is only hurting them and uh and i mean yeah it's it's a it's a tough spot to be in because like like premier said i mean you get too deep into the into the family into the into the home life and everything. And you start, you start, you might end up hurting the kid more than you, more than, more than your are helping them. And, and so, uh, I think that, I think that when it comes down to it, like, number one thing, you're an advocate for, for their education, but also their health and, and everything else that's going on in their life. And, and if they know that, that you're looking out for the best interest, um, uh, and and you truly believe in them. I, I think we can start to make a change. It's it's just hard. It feels like it feels like you just can't
2: do enough though. It's tough.
0: Yeah, all great points. Um, so we know it's difficult to to do things like among their community as well because you can only control so much, you know, being educators, but while being educators or future educators, when you're in school, what are some ways that you can create an environment that's welcoming, that's inclusive to them, that will help them kind of cope with different things going on? Um, it might give them like a way to distract themselves or it might give them like just, a, just, just some time throughout their day of like peace and just knowing that, hey, like I'm in an environment where you know, I feel welcome, where I feel good, where I feel positive vibes. Um, what are some ways that you guys can think of that you can create that environment for them at school?
5: think um just myself um it's actually something that i'm I'm currently trying to do at the elementary school i'm working for um i'm trying to they have this little like when you go into the building it's like a little closed off like room almost it's closed in and then there's a door you can go to the office but it's just a room it's it's really weird it's it's (laughs) it's just right there but um I talked to the ESL teacher and I was like, just to get some feedback from like who I could talk to. And I was like, I, I, I told her that I was thinking about putting up, you know, different flags from the different countries from the kids that go to our school. Like I'm not saying like every, every single country out there, just the kid, like the countries from where our kids are from just so that they like, and the reason I want to do it in that entrance is just so that when everybody walks in, that's like where the kids walk through when they get off the bus, when they get to school, you know, they can kind of just see a part of themselves, right? a part of themselves, like on that wall. You know, it makes them feel like a part of, like they belong, there they're welcome, they're, they're a part of the school community, school family, and not just students, you know, parents too. It, it, it sends a message of, of you know, of, of unity, I think. And um, I, think that, I think that's a very good way of, of just bringing people together and um, just, you know, recognizing wherever they is, where they come from, and you know, that's. I think that, that's
2: a beautiful thing. I don't. I don't know if I really have an answer. I like what you said, John, about about the
3: the people from from different countries, but it, when I'm thinking about specifically. Uh, African-American students from the U.S. that come to the school I think that's a that's a tough one because um I think that that in a lot of ways like like I was saying earlier it's 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 hard like you don't want to like make these you don't want to like put all the attention on these students I mean that would only make them more uncomfortable but you also want to celebrate them in the in the and that, that's when it, the lines get blurred a little bit. Like, and teachers, I think they choose to altogether just forfeit the idea and just try to treat everyone the same, you know? And but um, so what I think people don't re- realize is that a lot of the ways that we grew up, like the, way, the things that we're used to in the education system, I mean, that's like, quote unquote, like the white way of doing things, you know? Um, I like there was very little minority influence from any kind of minority grow, uh, coming into the education system for so long. And, and uh, everyone like every other minority, including uh, black students had to, had to adapt. And uh, I would, I would argue that we continue to, to teach this way and work things this way. And, um, and so it gets, it gets super difficult just to, figure out how to make those students feel seen and celebrated and comfortable without changing things altogether and making them the attention. Um, But it needs to be done. And I mean, if I were to just throw some ideas out there for you guys to to think about, like um, maybe, maybe one idea would just be like being sure you have as many holidays or as many kind of like celebratory things from within cultures that you can think up and just make sure they they're announced or I don't know it just whether you have those kind of students in your class or not maybe you could you can do a little bit of like some kind of education on those celebra- those celebrations or those holidays um, that's one cultural thing that I know might have an influence on the students to make them feel more comfortable or more, or more at home um, I'm not sure though I don't know if you guys have any other ideas
5: yeah just, just to kind of feed off of what Ricky said there Um, I know I know that a lot of schools do them but I know that most of them don't keep up with them it's just bulletin boards where you have you know each month or each whatever you know, whatever it may be you know you can have different things posted up there for different cultures different different things Um, I think that could be a good way of just you know showing recognition Um, because I know that 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 uh, there's, there's kids that you know you you may think that kids don't really care for, them, but you know eventually they get tired of seeing the same picture up there for the last three years, and you know they see something new. It's gonna it's gonna grab their attention. Be like, oh wow, like this is cool, well, that's cool. Um, I think I think I think bulletin boards, staying up, staying up with them and actually doing them uh, could be a good way of uh, you know showing inclusion and and, and uh, that we care for you know for 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 our students. Um, yeah, I kind of
2: just popped into my head right now. <laughs> Other than that, I, I, I,
0: don't, I don't know anything else. <laughs> so the theme for this Black History Month this year is representation, identity, and diversity. So my question to you guys is do you think that we're on the right path to, to achieving these, these, these qualities, these values, um, in school and education? Um, are we on the right path? Did we stray away for some reasons? Um, is it still like a long road to go? What are your ideas? Are are we, are we going down the right path or are we just kind of confused on where to go from here?
6: I think it's kind of like stagnant. Um, so On the happy. diversity part, I feel like everybody's getting a voice, a lot of different groups, but far as like the, um, sorry, my fault, just like our presentation, like how we are presented, I don't think that's getting shared in the best light right now.
2: yeah i would I would say that i mean
3: like premier kind of said like there's there's the positives and the negatives I think um, that we're doing well and and we could do better uh, for sure and, and when it comes to the to uh representation identity and diversity, I think that overall uh, within the school districts, I mean representation has been like promoted and promoted like it's it's becoming a big thing and uh, rightfully so I think. Um, I think, I think the next, the, one of the things that we do kind of struggle with is the, is the identity aspect. And, um, like we will, we will fill our schools with people of all different colors and cultures, but a lot of times I don't know if the, that identity side is, is always, uh, like accentuated. I don't know if the, the cultural identities or the, the different identities that those people bring in as we begin to get more representation or diversify our schools. I don't know if it's able to shine. And, um, and so I definitely think, and, and like Premier said, I don't know if the identity of, of like our black students has, has been improving much, especially recently with the, with the most recent things that have gone down and, and just the controversy that it brought up. I think it, and and politically too, with the things that have been going on, I, I think that it really gave room for, for people who wanted to, to uh, like shun or or bring down the, the identity of of our African American students. I I think it's really
2: kind of strengthened their their uh, movement. Sadly.
0: any other thoughts guys on on that on a topic
5: yeah i think uh, just just like what you know what premier and ricky kind of said it's just it depends um you know there's some teachers that you know are all about it and then there's some that really don't they really just don't care to put in the time to to just even you know look up a youtube video and learn about a different culture or something um I don't know, like, 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 you know, like Ricky said, you know, mandating, you know, you know, cultural diversity, um, it, it could be a big hit. Um, I think, I think it really would be, um, but it's just, you know, I, I know teachers are already busy enough, but you know, that, that, you know, quick five minute video or something that, that you can read that, that will catch you up to date or, you know, maybe inform you of something that you might have not known before, it, it can make a big difference, a world of a difference. um. I do think that things are getting better um just from where I'm standing I guess um and where I was as a kid um and and yeah I think that just with me just even being there even I don't know okay you know just the fact that they see me like I have kids to stare at me all the time Like who is that guy because I feel like I'm the only like yeah like I'm the only like minority in the school, I because I don't think I've seen anybody else. And yeah, like and I look out for the kids that I do. Like sometimes they'll they'll have a teacher yell at them or something. And it's it's weird. Like like the kid will be doing good on their work. And then the kid, like the teacher will come and just tell them stuff, even though they're doing their work. It's just little things that aren't necessary. they just like unordered kids. Um uh, yeah, I think it's just up to us, just to, to kind of just be that voice and just, just step in. Um, it can be, it can be. I think it can be scary, especially when you're the only one. But you know, you never know what you know what what kind of impact you could leave. You know?
0: yeah. Great, great conversation, guys. Um, Another question I wanted to pose to you guys is, obviously you guys are all part of the color program, which, you know, emphasizes diversity, inclusion. Um, One thing I did want to ask is, thinking broadly, you know, think outside outside that box for a second. Do you think that teachers or students preparing to go out and teach, do you think they're well-versed and well-prepared to tackle on these issues? Um, If so, how, and if not, why not?
6: I think some teachers are well-versed and some teachers are not. Us being minorities and being men, um, it just allows us to be privy to a lot of different things, a lot of setbacks and a lot of privileges that we don't get. So for us, I think we're well more equipped. But then you have to think a lot of students are white women. So it's like until, you know, the dynamics are you know, the whole face of education changes, then things will remain
2: the same.
3: Yeah, I agree with Premier. I, I think that uh I think that in a lot of ways, like in a lot of ways, I think the education department in itself is a little bit further along than uh than other. I mean, department uh, other like majors or or um occupations I think I think for the large like education largely is a pretty liberal um I mean profession but I I I, I think that when it comes down to it we should be at like zero percent um racism and 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 bias and all of that you know I don't I don't think there should ever be a, a time where we're like okay like that's enough like we we did we did the best we could No, I I think that we should always be pushing to, to make sure whoever we put in the workforce for education is, is well-versed and, and, uh, and, and up for the task of, of standing for those kids of any color, um, but especially of, of those African-American kids who, who have just been, been, as Premier said earlier in the, in the podcast, just has been, I mean, even by the law pushed, pushed away and, 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 um, just been super just bad to, and, um, are treated wrongly. And, and I think that, that, I mean, and like John said, like diversity training, like all of that, I think that we should start doing that just in, in, within the education department and at K-State or any other school of education, I think that it would be super important just to make sure that whoever we're putting out in there in the workforce is, is
2: well-versed and prepared.
0: Perfect, perfect. Um, any other comments or suggestions regarding any of those topics at all before we kind of wrap up here? Okay. Uh, So one thing I want to ask you guys, last question I want to ask you guys, and I want to hear from everybody, is as future educators, some of you may become teachers, some principals, counselors, um, or etc. How do you plan, how do you personally plan to create an inclusive environment that facilitates equal and equitable learning opportunities for your students? Who wants to go first, but I want to hear from all you guys.
1: Um, I can go first. Um, I would take the time, whether, you know, that be a worksheet at the beginning of the year, um, sort of like an icebreaker slash get to know, ask questions that, that have to do with race. And, you know, what culture, if they, you know, if they're from a specific country that they're from, some of the things, some of their, you know, some of their fam- uh, fun family activities that they do, anything along those lines. And, you know, just really hone that in. And to me, I think for little kids, it's the little things. If you remember the little things, it will mean the world to them. And I feel like if if there's that respect in the classroom, it's it makes our job a little easier of building that Equal classroom sort of thing, if that makes any sense. But that's the way I'd go about it. It's the little things.
5: Yeah, just um, I I like to just get off of. what Freddie said, um, yeah, I think biography bi- biography cards are, are huge. Um, you know, it just it gives kids a, a you know a way to share who they are. Um, and it doesn't. I mean, I guess it it could feel like a like a chore still, but uh. <laughs> At least everybody will be doing it, and they won't feel like they're the only ones. Um, but I think, I think, yeah, like biography cards are, are big. You know, you get you get to find out who kids are, where they come from. Um, and I kind of like um, kind of straight away from using like general terms like Christmas uh, parties and stuff like that, because um, I know it excludes a lot of kids that that you know maybe you know they celebrate Christmas or, or the religion doesn't allow it, or you know birthday parties. Um, Just different things, just just to to create that kind of inclusiveness and 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 just being aware. Um, There's like in the school that I work with, there's a there's three. I think there's three. There might be more. There's three Muslim kids, and I know that Ramadan is coming up soon, and um, I'm I'm wanting to know what what what's in store for like what do they do um, if if they celebrate it at full capacity or or if they I don't know um, I, I don't know what the school has planned for them. I don't know like if they're Forced to sit in the lunchroom with the rest of the kids while they eat, um, I, I don't. I mean, I don't think so. That wouldn't be cool. But um, yeah, just 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 being aware of, of your students and uh, yeah, just getting to know them—that's that's the key. And um, yeah, like I mentioned before, the I'll bring up those uh, the flags. kids, <laughs> okay. so that's, that should be fine.
3: I know for me, thinking about uh, special education, I, I think that, and this is way more boring than anybody else's probably will be, but something that I was thinking about that is just so important is is um, just the studies that you that you will put out there and and the research and and uh, and and on the, on the kids and. Like, for example, as a special, like as a special educator, or uh, in special education, you have to start looking at IEPs and, and different programs to help these kids. And I think the easiest thing to do is kind of skip over all that hard work of, of getting data down on, okay, how does this kid act for how long and when do they do it? And, and just kind of go off of like what you see. And sometimes. I mean, when, when, you're, when you have majority white students and there's, there's only a few minority, it's, it's super easy to pick out the kid that, that's a minority in acting up rather than the three other white kids acting up like in the corner. You know, it's, it's, it's just so much easier to, to allow biases and assumptions and stereotypes to really lead how you um, treat and, and um, just uh, like finally decide to educate the kid. And so I think that just stick, sticking to that data collecting and, and oh man, like teachers are gonna hate me like I'm gonna ask them all kinds of things and, and have them like try to, as much as they can to be vigilant and, and keeping an eye on on um, on exactly when things are going down so that I'm able to help them and not just assume, oh they're just not gonna it's just not gonna work like we tried all we could. No, I, I want to be able to get real data down so that I won't let a biases and assumptions and, and stereotypes affect how I work with the kid or how I treat the kid.
4: Yeah, just to bounce off like what Ricky was saying. Um, I think it's important that as educators, you know, we don't just um, go on from college and you know think, oh, we're done. We don't need to learn anything else. You know, we need to, constantly keep learning and understand what's going on in the world and how we can better help our students and you know celebrate the different and diverse cultures and traditions um races and really just any, everything we've touched on already really just you know make sure you get to know your students um you know understand them on on a personal level and you know learn how to, how to just help them thrive and be the best student that they can be. And I think another really helpful way is to just offer resources. Because um, I think it can be really helpful if uh, you just offer so many resources, whether it's um, food or financial or mental health resources, because I intend on going into um, middle school or high school, and I know those can be really tough times um for you know students mentally they might be going through a lot and they may not want to get into it or really talk to you about it so I think it's really good that you can address them without addressing them in specific and making them feel kind of like in a way um like self-conscious about themselves because they may not want to talk to you about it at that moment or in front of you know a class and so it can feel It can be really helpful if you just throw all the resources out there and say, like, hey, if you need anything, like like I am here and so are all of these. So but yeah, that's that's just me.
6: Um, I feel like the way I would further diversity and inclusion within my classroom or with in life is I will start off by telling my teacher, my students first that I'm a student also, like, they're going to teach me things. And when you can humble yourself and you tell your students that you're learning a lot from them, um, it allows them to want to engage with you more. So you have to tell them, like, the world is your classroom. Sometimes there's going to be things that you guys teach me I can pick up on. I think that's how you um, get in uh, leadership, you get in inclusive that's how you get diversity and then admitting when you're wrong as teachers we have a lot of the right answers but sometimes we're wrong so i think that's the biggest thing um to branch diversity you'd be like hey i'm human i might not be happy with y'all every day if i do something wrong tell me i don't mind being checked because we always used to make a joke when the teacher on a student and we'd be like oh check like and everybody bust out laughing but sometimes you know Student has to check the teacher because I'm the reason that you're the reason that I'm here and I have a job. So I think that's how I would have uh, inclusive and diversity.
0: Great, great ideas, guys. Thanks again for all your input. Um, Any closing remarks at all for the listeners listening in? Anything you guys want to mention or kind of just wrap up with? Okay. Uh, I do want to give some quick two cents of kind of my insight on that. let that's let's go with everybody else. Um, I think that you guys really touched on a lot of great topics, a lot of great um, just discussions. And I think I want to reiterate the fact that we do have to stop pretending that these issues don't exist in a classroom or in education overall, because these are real issues. These are real concerns and that they need to be addressed and they need to be discussed. Uh, And yeah, it may be uncomfortable for some people to discuss these issues, but somewhere along the line, we have to have these conversations. We have to have these discussions. Um, And I believe Premier had mentioned it before, is the worst thing you can do is say that, you know, everybody's the same and that, you know, you don't see color because at that point you take away someone's individuality and you take away who they are. And that's the worst thing you can do. So I think that, yes, there is a long way to go but we are making steps, small steps towards where we need to be. And overall, I think you guys being out there as educators, whether you be teachers, counselors, principals, you're going to make a positive impact on your students. You definitely will. But I'll go ahead and end on that. Um, Once again, guys, thank you you for joining us for the Common Mr. podcast. And we will see you next time.